Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. All right, John chapter number 11. How many of you believe that the rapture is closer than we ever thought possible? All right, John chapter number 11. It's going to work here, but not there. Is that it? All right, we'll read it from here, I guess. There, there we go. Trying to mess me up today, but it ain't going to work. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, He whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then, I'm going to skip to 14 and 15, if you can skip there so we don't have a lot of time reading here. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now we're going to turn to 2 Peter chapter number 3, read Verse 3 and 4, and 8 and 9. Knowing this first, now the reason I'm turning my head is because that one's not on, all right? Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And then 8 and 9. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought, God's intentional delay. God's intentional delay. Would you lift your hearts one more time? Brother McCune, would you be so kind? Lead us in prayer, please.
Amen. Thank you, Brother McCune. God bless you. You may be seated. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We've all been there. We pray, we wait, and there are times when our prayer seems to have died somewhere in the proverbial prayer graveyards of life. Ever been there? And quite possible, we have even muttered the same words of Mary and Martha. Lord, if you had been here, things would have been different. You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, if, if you would have been here, my life would have been different today. One writer says this, he says, if God answers your prayers, he's increasing your faith. If he delays, he's increasing your patience. And if he doesn't answer, he has something better for you. How many of you believe that? Brother Clemson, good lesson. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to reconcile everything back to God. But I think we could safely say his priority, at least one of his priorities, of course he came to seek and save that was lost, but his priority was that he, he came to glorify God in Christ. He came to introduce to you and I if God could become this vast, immense, omnipresent God, if He could come in human form, He wanted us to recognize and become aware of who He would be like in a body. Glory means the manifested visible presence of God means the totality of his character and attributes. John 1 explains it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you thankful for John's writing? Jesus' first miracle at Cana, when he turned the water into wine, it says that it was the beginning of his miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and he manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. I think we could safely say that every word Jesus spoke, every miracle that he performed, his intention was to glorify God in Christ Jesus. Because 
God gave him a name that was going to have the power and the authority to save your and my eternal soul. That's a lot of power. He was the image of the invisible, as Paul writes, and the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. How can you get that much power in a five-foot, ten-inch human form? That's a, think about that for just a moment. And the fullness of the Godhead, not just a portion of it, not three-quarters, not, you know, the advertisements a lot of times, they, if it's a cleaning product, they say 99.9%, they're sure. Listen, I am quite certain beyond doubt that the fullness of God was in the body of the man Jesus Christ 100%, not 99.9. When he when Jesus proclaimed that before Abraham was that I am, he meant it fully that he was the same one in the Old Testament that pulled Israel out of Egypt, that the same one was speaking to them in bodily form. That's why he said, if you don't believe on me, you're lost. He said, search the scriptures. Search them out. Because they are they which proclaim that I am He. John again reminds us before closing out his gospel in chapter number 20, 30, and 31. He says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. Why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed of God, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. What name did He give whereby we must be saved? What is the saving name of God? Pretty lame out there. What is the saving name? What name were you baptized in? Was it the name of Apollos or Paul or Peter? No. You went down in that watery grave in the name, the only name, the name that shed life-giving blood on Calvary's cross, the name of Jesus. That was the, the, the ordained name. John 11, Jesus heard about Lazarus. He said, he told his disciples, you got to realize that most uh, writers, they feel that this is probably about two weeks before Calvary. Okay? Boy, what's going on in his mind at that point? What's going on in his heart at that point? says, when he heard about Lazarus, he says, hey, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, 
that the Son of God might be glorified. What are you going to, how's it, well, when he calls somebody out from the dead, out of the tomb, that has been laying there for four days, and he stinks, now there's going to become a following in the name of the one that spoke him out of the graveyard, don't you think? That he was to be glorified. And he said, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you might believe. God's intentional. He's intentional. He's got a plan. He has a, an intentional plan that is going to wrap things up According to the book. He wrote it. He's got a plan. His delay was intentional. It's like he knows what he's doing. It's like he knows what he's doing. And he thinks that you ought to trust him. He thinks that just because that you can't do a drive-through, although they do have them these days. You know that, right? They have drive-through prayer requests. I'm not necessarily against them, but, you know, it's a little bit out there for me. You drive through and say, what can we do for you? Well, hi, I would like you to pray for this and that today. And then you roll up your window and you go on your way. They probably give you an order of fries to go with it. I don't know. But you understand is that he believes that you and I ought to trust him and believe him even when you and I think that he is delaying on our prayer request. How many of you are following the Enoch principle? Just... Don't have to raise your hand. There's names on there. Sister Lisa, did you know that your name's on that chart? Did you know that she testified this morning? She said, Pastor, I was standing up and I was looking for a voice and I didn't see anybody talking to me. And I thought, whoa, where? She was kneeling and, and praying. She says, guess what? I says, why? She says, my youngest or oldest son, youngest son, oldest son, prayed through to the Holy Ghost. You see, prayer works. Did it work when you first prayed it? But you continued to pray, didn't you? That's the way, that is the way that prayer works sometimes. He is not in the business of, of coming to you at your every beckoning. He expects you to glorify him even when he doesn't answer your prayer the way or the timing that you think that he ought to do it. But you should still keep praying. You should still keep asking. And certainly, you should still keep worshiping him. Why? Because he's worthy. And his intentions are good. He kind of knows what he's doing. 
It's like the story of when the Lord fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Jesus asked Philip the question, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? This, he said, to test Philip because, because he already knew what he was going to do. That's what he said. He said this to test, well, how you, Brother Jack, how's it, how you going to do this? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to keep asking for your help and your guidance because he already knows how he's going to get it done. I love that story because he already knew what he was going to do. Your job is just to take your spiritual inventory and find out what's out there so that you can bring it to me and let me bless it and let me break it and let me feed the multitude. We know the story of Mary and Martha, although... You know, it, it's so, they are such powerful characters, but you don't really hear, you know, it isn't like the sons of thunder or, you know, or Peter. You read about them all the time. They're only mentioned just two, three times in the entire Word of God. But we know the story. Luke records it, chapter number 6. It says, and it came to pass that as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The Amplified version says she heard his word. That means she was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving. Amplified says that means that she was distracted with all her servings and all her responsibilities. Hello, church. I'm here to remind us we are here to give God the glory. We are here no matter how much your your secular life, your private life, your job opportunities, your school, your marriage, your family, your sports events, no matter how much that distracts you, you got to understand, especially in the day that we're living in, your priority in life is to give God the glory that He is deserving of and for you and I to be listening to his voice, which is the word of God. We can't become so distracted. And that's what really connects us with Mary and Martha. It's what connects us. Martha comes and says, Lord, don't you even care about, I need a little bit of help here. And I like those kind of people, I do. I like those people that are, they got, what is it? They got a PhD in CCHOP or whatever it is, right? I kind of have that a little bit. You know, they're, they just got to make sure that the napkin is 
folded and, and all that kind of stuff. I like those kind of people. But the problem being here is that she was out of balance. She was out of balance. Her life was not on key. She said, Lord, don't you even care about how, look at me, how much I'm working. <laughs> Lord said, well, Martha, you know, he says, she says, send Mary in here. Get her in here. Get her rear end in here and help me out here. Lord says, Martha, calm down. Take a breath. He says, you are too anxious and troubled about too many things. And Mary, Mary has chosen, okay? Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. And that's, that's really, that's where we're introduced. And he says, Mary's chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know what that means, don't you? That means that the dishes, nobody's ever going to remember when you do them. They'll remember when you don't do them. Right? But the Lord will never forget. Understand, now, he never forgets the good part of when you and I are in that process of building a relationship with him. He never forgets the time that you invest in his kingdom and growing closer to him. He notices it and he commands you for it. He don't forget that. And I'm not saying that you should call in sick and you know, and pray and fast sometime. But if you got a day of vacation, not a bad thing. We sometimes, you know, our, our, our prayer life, our, our development, our, our Christian growth, it is not something that we should feel like that we have to do. It is an investment, not just in this life. I am investing in eternity. Literally. The only other recorded time we find Jesus paying a visit to their home prior to the raising of Lazarus. I think we could safely read between the lines and agree there was a special relationship between the Lord and this family. Even though we don't read a lot. It says... Our reading, so Jesus, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. We are introduced to the name of the town that they live in called Bethany. His sister sent someone to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Lazarus is sick, Lord. This is the first time we find the mention of Lazarus. First time we find Mary and Martha got a brother. First time we find the name of the town they live in, Bethany. This happens about one week before 
his triumphal entry into Jerusalem or two weeks before Calvary. Jesus heard it. He was not death. He heard their prayer. He heard the request. He said, okay, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Jesus loved this family. He loved them so much, we're told, that he decided to stay in the same place for two days. Whoa. After this, he said to the disciples, he said, let us go to Judea again. They said, Master, the Jews are looking to kill you. And you want to go there again? He gives a little lesson on the light. He said, our friend Lazarus sleeps. He says, but I go that I might wake him up. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. How many of you, mom and you know, mom tells you when you're sick, well, lay down and sleep and get a lot of rest and you'll feel better. That's what they were saying. They were saying, Lord, if he's sick and he's sleeping, he'll get well. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He says he's dead. And one of the most profound statements that you will ever find in the word of God. He said, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Whoa. Well, that's little. Because they don't know the end of the story like you and I do. They don't know it. Said, hey, he's dead. And I'm glad I wasn't there. For your sake. They don't know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. But to them, it was like, whoa. What is going on there? He said, to the intent you may believe. When Jesus came, he found Lazarus had lain in the grave four days. The Bible says many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, let me uh, share with you the meaning of some names that are connected with our story. I think they are significant. Bethany means house of figs or house of affliction. Some say this small town was a designated place for the sick and those with contagious disease, COVID. In fact, you'll read six days before the Passover, he is having supper with Simon the leper in Bethany. Bethany means house of affliction. The town, they say, possibly was a place where the sick would go and those with contagious diseases would go. And it turned out to be one of the favorite hangouts of the Lord. He didn't come to the rich. He didn't come to the religious. He came to those that were weak, 
like the chorus. He came to those that were down and out. He came to a little place called Bethany, which was very, very small in population, but the people that lived there apparently were well known. Would you believe that both the names of Mary, beloved, Martha, lady, they can also be traced back to the meaning, the root word meaning bitter. Didn't know that. Did you know that Lazarus means God is my helper? So we have Lazarus, God is my helper, laying dead in the graveyard. We have Mary, which Jesus defined as the good part, sitting at his feet, building a relationship. And we have Martha, which Jesus said troubled about many things or anxious and over too busy or got priorities out of balance. But we have the Lord is my helper laying in the graveyard. We have the prayers of Mary and Martha whom he loved, we're told. Their hopes and their prayers are laying in the graveyard with God is my helper. And they are living in, they are now, they are in a house of affliction or a house of despondency. And they have called on their friend, the Lord Savior God, and he didn't come, and they had the funeral, and he's dead. But he's just setting the stage. He is setting the stage for the most powerful worship service that the earth has ever witnessed. I'm glad that I wasn't there. Why, Lord? Well, because they're going to believe, they believe in me now. You wait until I get done, and we'll see what level of belief that they have in me when I'm done. The Lord makes his way. He doesn't go into the town, the Bible says. They hear about it. Martha, rise first. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. Oh, hard. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Wow. I know he will, she said on the last day. Jesus looked at her. He says, I am the resurrection. Hello, I am the resurrection and the life. I am speaking to you. Your brother will rise again. She says, well, Lord, I know that he will rise again on the last day. He said, do you 
believe that I am the resurrection. Here's what she says. She says, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. She goes back. We're told Mary is sitting in her house of affliction. This is a lady that had uh, the only thing that we know of is that the Lord commended her for her desire to build her relationship with Him. Shutting everything out. Closing the door on the cell phone and social media and everything else to boot. And shutting it out and sitting at the feet of the Master and with ears wide open and a heart that was in tune saying, Lord, speak to me in my day. Speak to me. Help me to understand where I am and what's going on. He had commended her for it. She was sitting in her house of affliction. Her prayer was laying in the graveyard. She didn't move until Martha comes back. She says, Mary, Bible says secretly, whispered, I don't know. She says, Mary, listen carefully. She says, the master calleth for thee. You ever heard those words? The master calleth for thee. The Bible tells us she went to the same place. Notice, Jesus never left his place. He never left his place. He is always steadfast. He is unmovable. At this point in life, we know. We know that He is everywhere all the time. He's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. But trust me when we tell you that you're the one that has to make the move at times. Your faith has got to make the move to where He is at. Because he cannot move in a house of affliction and doubt and depression. He doesn't move there. He has to somehow, you got to hear his voice in a way that moves you out of that dark place and fall. And the Bible says she goes to where he is at and she falls at his feet. Weeping. There is, there is power in your tears, folks. There is power in them tears. Ryder says that there is a bottle that catches them things. Oh. She fell at his feet. She said, Lord, the same prayer. 
She said, if you had been here, that Lazarus would not be dead today. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. No idea what that sounds like. I know what it sounds like coming from me. I don't know what it would sound like coming from the God-man. He's groaning in himself. He comes to the grave. It was a cave with a stone against it. Move the rock. He stinks. God is my helper. Delayed prayers. See, this is where we have to be so careful is a seed of bitterness cannot come into play in your walk with God no matter what. Bitterness will ruin it. He drank the bitterness for you. He wants you to understand that he will never, never, ever, his intentions for you and I are for us to live with him for eternity in a place that is not perverted by sin and war and death and destruction. His intention for you is to live a life that he designed for you and I to live in, a life of peace and joy and righteousness. We know the story. Move the rock. Lord, he stinks. That's okay. Move the rock anyway. Told he says with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Wow. Crazy. Powerful. Bible says that he came out of that cave in his grave clothes. Now they wrap you up like a mummy. I have no idea how he got up and came out of there. And he said, now loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Somebody shared a dream with me here recently. When they came out of that dream... My opinion, they became, that was a turning point in their life. Powerful. Do you think that when they unwound that man that had been dead for four days, do you think maybe that he came alive? See, he was just setting the stage. His delay was well-planned and intentional. Six days before the Passover, he arrives back in Bethany, the house of affliction. It is no longer a house of affliction. He arrives back in Bethany. There they are, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Martha... They all make him a supper. Martha, a servant. 
Bible says Lazarus is sitting at the table with them. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Where have you been the last four days? Well, I was laying in a tomb. Bible says the Jews came not only to see Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. The next day, here we are. He was delaying intentionally because he was setting the stage for the greatest worship service that has ever taken place on planet Earth. Six days before the Passover, we're told, we call it Palm Sunday. We call it the triumphal entry. The Jews came. Lazarus, they were making dinner. Don't you know that that house, a week prior to that, it was mourning and crying and weeping. And today, buddy, it was celebrating. And they were walking around giving everybody high fives, you know, Palm Sundays, and they were having a good time, and the neighborhood was in an uproar. The whole town was party. The Bible says they were in Simon the leper's house. I don't know if he'd been cured yet or not, but all the contagious people probably came around. All the sick people came around. Why? Well, because that they were fixing to have a worship service. And the Bible says that when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees. They went forth to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. Listen to this. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to tell others about him. For this reason, the crowd went out to meet him when they heard that he had done this miracle. I am convinced that there was a family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and apparently Simon, the former leper, was leading the charge. They were out. Maybe one of them was leading the donkey. I don't know. But I can tell you one thing, that they were not going to be drowned out by anybody else that day. They were in the march to Jerusalem, and they had been a witness of the greatest miracle that had ever taken place on planet Earth, and they were in a mode of worship. Then the Pharisees argued and said one to another, Our efforts are futile. Look, the whole world has gone after him. That's what it says. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus wants to turn your house of affliction into a house of worship? Can I tell you that he wants to turn your house of depression into a house of faith? Can I tell you that even though your prayer may be living, may be laying in a proverbial tomb and cave today, that he's about ready to call that prayer back to life? Peter tells us there are mockers in our day. Where's the promise of his coming? Martha, Mary, where is he? Where is God your helper? 
I thought he loved you. He does. Well, how come he didn't come then? How come your prayer is laying dead in the tomb? Peter said, there will be mockers and scoffers. Oh yeah, they'll be promoting. They'll take the most, one of the most sacred days of Christianity ever. They'll take Easter. And they'll turn it into a drag brunch. Didn't know that probably, huh? On Easter Sunday, they're having a drag brunch in Richland. And they're selling tickets, $10 for adults and $5 for children. Somebody sent me the poster. It's like, what? Are we completely gone crazy? And you think that it's not important to be in the house of God with your family, investing into your children's eternity? When the world is trying to, they're not just trying to, to unravel them, they're trying to destroy them. His delay was setting the stage for the most powerful worship service. Peter writing, he says, hey, know this? Mockers are going to come in the last days. They're going to say, hey. So, where is he? Where is the promise of his coming? Just like it has been for the last 2,000 years. <laughs> I like what Peter said. He said, hey. I'm intentional. I'm going to wait. One day. Might be a thousand years. I'm going to wait two days. Might be another thousand years. But let me tell you. When I get there. Everybody will know that I am coming. Second Timothy, Paul writes of perilous days, lovers of self. Anybody got a selfie today? What it says, lovers of self, covetous, blasphemers, unholy, without natural affection. God waited intentionally. For a hundred years or so for Noah to build that ark. You know why? Because the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You think he had a message? Get in the boat or you're going to be lost. Right, no, it's never rained. Duh. Get in the boat. Bible says that God... That Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached to the people just like Enoch, the Bible says, preached to the people that thousands, listen to me, thousands of years ago. Peter said, know this, that in the last days, 
they're going to come and they're going to say, where is the promise of your God's coming? To them, he's still laying in the tomb. As you stand with us. Peter says, hey, know this, one day, one day, one day. Two days before he went to visit Lazarus. Closing out in John 14, he says, let, this is, I, I don't know how many times that I've quoted this scripture. This has been one of the favorites when you do, when you officiate funerals for some reason. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He is, God's delay is intentional. You know why? Because he's not willing for any to perish. But that all might come to a place of repentance. So that you can believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And through him and him only is life eternal. That's why he's delaying. He's delaying because maybe there is somebody here today that you are questioning why you are in the place that you are. You feel like that the prayers that you have offered to God have gone unanswered and it's not fair. God is not, God is just, okay, not fair. Catch that? Said, let not your heart be troubled. His delay is intentional. He wants to draw all men to repentance. He wants you to believe. He's calling you out of your house of affliction. He wants the church to come together and to glorify His name. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. I will come again. And the next time I come, I will not be restrained to a manger in the town of Bethlehem. But when I come again... Every eye will behold me. The sky will unravel like a scroll. And every eye is going to see me in my glory. We might have to spend some time in the house of affliction before the rapture of the church. I don't know. But remember if we do, that he's getting us ready for the greatest worship service of all time. You know where it's going to be held? In the clouds. You better be kidding me. No, 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 no. He is, that's why we are experiencing the things that we are. The Bible calls them birth pangs. It is the, the, it, the initial stage of Jacob's troubles, if you will. 
But let me assure you that there is a worship service that is going to take place. And God is just setting the stage. We wonder sometimes why, 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 why. Don't worry about it. His intentions are good. He is planning a get-together, a fellowship meeting that is going to take place in the clouds along with former dead people. This time he won't be calling out just the name of Lazarus, but instead he will call us by the sound of the trumpet. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now I don't know what it sounds like when God shouts, but I guarantee you that there'll be some thunder and some earthquakes going around or something, man. With a shout. You understand? That is a, that is a, a uh, you know, trying to get into our minds and our hearts. The idea, he said, if I go away, I'm preparing a place for you that when I come again, I'm going to take you with me. Amen. He is more excited about you going there than you are. He is excited. He is ready to jump out on the clouds and shout. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead shall rise first. Come out of those graves. Come out of them graves. Then we which are alive. Brother Block, I'm still counting I am very real possibility of being one that remains alive until the sounding of that trumpet. I'm counting on it. That's why I'm trying to, I'm going to do my part to make it to 100. Because I don't think we're going to make it to 100, you understand? But I'm going to do my, you know why? Because I want to be caught up in the clouds while I'm still. I want to be trained. I want to. I want to feel that experience of what it feels like to be walking down the road, and all of a sudden, I am gone. People say that's crazy thinking. Yes, I know. You know, and I am crazy when it comes to the Word of God. And here's where we are. Wherefore? Wherefore? Comfort. Comfort one another with these words. He's coming, Easton. These young people, listen, I know you got a you got a rough road ahead of you. That's right, you got a rough road ahead of you. But here's the deal. You hang on to your faith in God. You keep praying. You keep worshiping. You keep serving God. You keep making a stand for God. Don't let them come against you and try to tell you that you got to bow before that golden image. You tell them, say, hey, I want you to know that the God that I serve, that He is able. He is able. 
But whether he, he, he saves me or not out of that furnace, I want you to know, world, I am not bowing down to no false god. And even if it means that I don't have a paycheck coming, because that's getting close. They roll out that digital currency here next year or so. And if you are an older person on Social Security or you are a government worker, guess what? If you don't sign on to that new banking system, guess where your money is? They got it. And there's really nothing you're going to be able to do about it. Oh, you're crazy. Well, I know. We're crazy. But now a lot of the crazies out there that don't even believe in God are believing it. His delay is intentional. He wants you to be saved. He wants your family to be saved. No, you don't worry. You, you preach to them. Preach to them. Preach to them. But you better make sure that your focus is on your own family. Save your own family. Oh, God, help us. Save your family. Because in the end, if your family is saved, everything's good. You can't save the world. We can make an attempt. But you ain't going to save the world, but you can save your family. Amen. We're going to open up the altar here this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, it is an exciting time to be alive. And here's what I believe, folks. I believe that even those before the rapture, I believe that God is going to pour out His miraculous power upon us, the church of the living God, in a way that people are not even going to be able to come against us. And he is going to showcase his espoused bride. You know what? Because he loves her. If you're here this morning, if you need special prayer, amen, if you want to just come and spend a few minutes here at the altar, challenge you to do it. Challenge you to do it. Those prayers that you have prayed in the past, it does not mean that God is still, he, he may still answer those prayers. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I believe that. One of the things I, one of the things I pray, I say, say I, I thank God. I say, God, thank you for the offered prayer of yesterday. Thank you for the answered prayer of yesterday. And Lord, can I remind you of those prayers that are still alive and yet unanswered that today might be their day of destiny. Would you bring them to pass according to your will and to your timing? You know the prayer, Sister Lisa, that you prayed for your family? It didn't happen yesterday. There's a chance it may happen today. The unanswered prayer. It's alive. It still lives. Yes, 
Who needs prayer? If you need special prayer, come right down here to the front. We will pray with you and for you. Hallelujah. If not, just lift your hearts to the Lord. If you need the Holy Ghost this morning, come on, why don't you just lift your heart and worship Him. Begin to worship Him with everything that you've got. If you need to repent of your sins, come on. Don't leave the house of God without repenting of your sins. You need to be baptized this morning. We'll get you baptized this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His intentions are good. His intentions are good. Hallelujah. We sing.